So here you go. Uh, Nikki and I uh, uh, went to, I'm married to Nikki, if you're new. Hello, uh, I'm Andrew. Um, uh, we went to a youth weekend. Uh, oh, you guys had a weekend and uh, they asked us questions. So here are the questions, or three of the questions they asked. So um, you need to find someone, if you're sitting, I can't see up in the light, if you're sort of on your own, you're going to need to be near enough someone to at least mouth the answer to this question, okay? So kind of pair up a little bit. No one's moving. Pair up a little bit. Look around. You ready? You got, everyone's got someone? Ready? Okay. So you're going to look at this person, uh, at least one person, or two, three, doesn't matter. Are you ready? Okay. So Marmite, yes or no? Yeah. Okay. Ready? Second... Deeply theological, that's talking about God stuff. Deeply theological question. Pineapple on pizza. Yes or no? Okay, just, just talk amongst yourselves. What does the Lord say to you about that? Quick vote. Pineapple, yes. yes. Pineapple, no. Mm, okay, yeah. A lot of people undecided. I'm shocked. Who's undecided? Who, who couldn't care less? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, a lot of you, really. Uh, I'm getting the mood of the room. Okay, and then the third question, and we got these questions in this kind of order. You know, we were there, ready. Third question, you ready? Okay, along the same kind of lines. Have you ever heard God speak? Okay, off you go. It's an easy one. Marmite, pizza, God speaking. Have you ever heard God speak to you? I love the fact that the, the tone of response, you're, you're very good. We all know, you know, pizza, it's, yeah, Marmite, has God ever spoken to you? I love it. I love it. Um, God wants to speak to everyone of us tonight. So just in case you've never heard God speak to you, uh, you know, pin back your lug holes, open your heart, wait and see what happens, because God wants to speak to us. Um, I, I'm, I'm quite old, um, really. Um, I can get a bus pass, I think, in not a million years' time, which is, you know, quite impressive, isn't it? I don't know, do you st can you still get them at 60 or not yet? No. no, no. Oh, no, that's just been snatched away from me, much like Marmite and pizza. Um, I'm so old that I, I put my phone, I have a little pad on the, on the bed you know, side thing beside me. Um, it took me a long time to work out you can buy those pads. I used to just, you know, anyway. Um, and, and what happens is I put my phone down on the pad and when I wake up in the morning, it's all changed. There's been an update. Now, uh, there's a lot of younger people in the house who kind of know what you mean, what I mean by that, but for one or two people in the far reaches, um, it, it, it changes, and suddenly I wake up in the morning, and I'm told that I am now iOS 17.431, you know, or whatever, and I, I look on my phone, and they've, the apps have changed, the little pictures have changed, 
And, and new ones have appeared that I didn't even know I wanted. Does anyone else have this experience? You know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, I've, I've got, I looked, it happened last night. I was updated. <laughs> Welcome. Um, and some of you are saying, please, Lord, anytime now, just update him. I was updated. I wasn't upgraded. I know that's something different, but my software has been updated. You'll be pleased to know. And so I've got whole little pictures and icons on here. I mean, there's one here which has got a little sort of, it's a magnifying glass with a plus sign in it. And it's taken me to something to do with my camera. I mean, where did that, where did that come from? The thing about an app, have you ever spotted this again for some, in the peop- you know, some of us here tonight who are not quite so au fait with technology as me? Um, <laughs> the, the little picture is, is actually not the whole story. It, it's amazing, I know. Some of you are, this is as revelatory as Marmite and pineapple. The, the little picture you see you've got here is only um, a gateway, it's a, it's a miniature gateway into a much bigger reality. And I know this is going to be shocking for some of you. If you don't actually press on the little miniature picture, you will never see what lies behind. It, has that changed your lives? Even now, some of you are going, oh, that's how they work. I just thought it was a gallery of pretty pictures on my phone. I want to suggest that a few people are, though, a little bit like this with, um, with Jesus and God. Um, you kind of, you, you've got him on your phone. <laughs> He's uh, close by. When you need him. <laughs> Take him out. Have a look at the pit. Oh, I've been upgraded again, even as I was speaking to you. And there he is. But, but have you actually really pressed on it? Have you really explored everything? We've been doing a, a series as a church family. Some of you have been with us on the journey where we've been looking at some meals that, ha- that Jesus had with people through his life. And we've been following through one of the people who tells us the story of Jesus' life called Luke. And each of the people who tell us Jesus' life, they, they gather the stories together in just slightly different ways. There's m- everything that matters, they're unified on, but they just gather them in slightly different ways because they've got particular audiences. They've got particular people that they're writing to and they're speaking to, and they gather them in different ways. And Luke has gathered together the meals that Jesus had with people. And we've, we've been following through these meals. And what we've, what we've seen is that like each meal is like a little kind of app that when you, when you look into it, when you press into it, what you find is a much, much bigger picture than, than you'd realised. And we're going to have a look at one tonight, which is quite literally like a little miniature revelation, a little miniature window in, into everything that God would want you to hear from him, me to hear from him tonight. It, it's the story. Have you guessed which story it is? If it's in miniature? Any ideas? Little miniature person 
meal with Jesus, climbs a tree, looks down. A anyone alive? Could you just check? Could you just gently pinch the person beside you? Yeah, are they alive? Yeah. Any ideas? Zucchini? Zucchini? Zacchaeus. Luke puts the story of Jesus meeting a little guy called Zacchaeus in the same chapter, chapter 19. You can, you can find it if you want to switch on a Bible, press the app or grab, grab a Bible. Luke chapter 19, and it's just before what we've been thinking about today with Palm Sunday, Jesus going into Jerusalem. And it, it's a kind of like a summary picture thing, because actually, if you've been journeying with us on, on the, the different meals, what you'll find and what you'll realise in the story of Zacchaeus is you've actually got a whole deliberate mix-up of all the characters and the personalities and the kind of circumstances that we've been talking about in all of the different stories so far, because there's a tax collector, now, in lots of the previous stories that Jesus had, we've noticed that Jesus has been deliberately having meals with tax collectors and with others who are deemed to be sinners. The question in this story is, does Zacchaeus deserve that? Zacchaeus is rich. Earlier, we haven't gone into it, but earlier in the story, Jesus has met a rich man who rejected what Jesus called for. What's going to happen this time? There's a whole kind of mixing up that goes on. And this story of Zacchaeus, have a look in Luke 19, comes just before Jesus goes into Jerusalem and just before he goes into everything that's going to happen in Easter week. It is, I think, some commentators say, and I think it's right, it's the kind of last summing up of all of the things that have kind of gone through these other meals and feasts that Jesus has enjoyed. And it's kind of the last healing the last healing that Jesus does, kind of before the events of Easter week. So have a look with me, Luke chapter 19. I bet a few of you do know this story. And I bet a few of us are going to hear God speak to us again tonight in a new way. It is the gospel in miniature. It is kind of like a little app picture that you can press on this story and you will open up all the, the view, all the vista, all the kind of wide dynamics of the good news about Jesus that is the reason for this church being here. Let, let's read it through. I do really encourage you, open up a Bible. There are some hard copy Bibles. There's two piles down at the front. There are some copies, hard copy Bibles on the little tables just at the back. Make sure you've got it in front of you because you're going to really get more out of this if, if you've got it. But let's, let's go on through. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now 
I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. It's the most amazing little, little story, little summing up the, the good news about Jesus in miniature. It's a little app that we can press on and, and find, out, find out some more. Let's notice a couple of things. The first is, you notice and you realise, don't you, that Zacchaeus is a really shunned and despised kind of, kind of man. Um, turn, turn to your neighbour. What do you reckon in our culture is the worst sin that you can commit? The, what's the worst thing that you can kind of do, would you say, do you think in our culture? Just, just turn to your neighbour. Maybe you'll have more than one idea, more than one thought. I don't know what you'll have, I'm, I'm sure you'll have called out and said some, some pretty, pretty horrible things that can, can happen and that people can, people can do. Um, in, in this culture, obviously the culture of the Bible, lots of, lots of things that we would share, same ideas around, you know, murdering people, you know, committing offences maybe against children, those sorts of things. But... But one of the key things, one of the critical things, was betraying your people. So, so there's a Roman occupation going on here at this time. And the Romans, wherever, if you know your history, wherever the Roman Empire spreads, one of the ways that the Roman Empire was so powerful, was able to dominate so much, was that it took the local situation, the local leaders, and it kind of brought people on board. It made them responsible for some of the administration of the things that went on in the countries where they, where they took over. And, and at this time, at Jesus' time, where he is, in Jerusalem, in, sorry, in uh, Israel, Palestine, where this is taking place, um, they appointed tax collectors. And what tax collectors did was they collected taxes from the people for the Romans. And the way they made their money was they skimmed a bit off. So they would take, you know, however much from, from you, and they, were, they would pass on, and they were allowed to do this. They would pass on a percentage to the Romans, but they kept some for themselves. So they are, they are betraying their own people with the occupying force. And Zacchaeus is chief tax collector. He's the, he's the worst of the worst. His, his name, and here's the kind of great irony, the great clash, his name in Hebrew, in the language of, of the people of that time, meant pure. <laughs> the last thing he was considered and thought to be by anybody was, was pure, the complete opposite. But here we go. So he deserves to be excluded, doesn't he? 
He, he deserves to be someone who, who obviously, for whatever reason, partly because he can't see, but also probably because he doesn't want to be around the crowd. He's not allowed to be around the crowd. He, he's on the edge. And, and he deserves that, doesn't he? Don't, don't we kind of imagine if you betrayed your own people, if you were someone who was extorting money from your own people on behalf of an occupying force, you would deserve that kind of exclusion. But this little miniature story is, is very physical. There's very visual and physical bits to this story that, that really demonstrate that, that that's not what happened. I mean, the first is, is obviously a little bit of humour. So here's a powerful man who is too short to be able to see the Jesus that he wants to see. There's a kind of deliberate sort of kind of physicality to it. The symbolism of him being too short, despite his money, his power, his influence. But this guy is so desperate to, to see Jesus, he does not mind about public ridicule. He does a couple of things that no wealthy, you know, you can even imagine it now if, if the queen was to pass there. And, you know, you could even imagine now if someone who was meant to be very important and, you know, all of these kind of things was to run ahead to run ahead, to get ahead of where Jesus was, was walking through this place called Jericho. And then he climbs a tree. So little guy down here can't see. And then he runs and he climbs a tree in order to be able to see this Jesus that he wants to see. And Jesus in the story, doesn't he, comes along. He stops, physically stops. And he, he looks not, not accidental, it's not just happens to notice, doesn't glance. He stops, he looks, he says to Zacchaeus, come down. Zacchaeus comes down from his tree. A proud man who actually has already kind of put aside his pride by running and climbing, comes down. And Jesus says, I'm coming to your house today. And they go into the house. Jesus goes into the house. And going into the house and sitting at the table, we've already seen from all of the stories so far through Luke. And this is kind of summing up to this crescendo. It's a place of intimacy in the house, in the home, at your table. I wonder if we can think of anyone who... You know, if someone saw us hosting them around our table, they'd be, they'd be shocked. Actually, even disgusted. Outraged. Angry. I mean, the, you know, the, the kind of social media storm would, would be just incredible. Can we think of anyone like that? Well, the crowd mutter in disgust, don't they? He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. And the, and the word used for sinner in, in the original language doesn't mean someone who's accidentally made some mistakes against God's law and God's way. It, sinner is somebody who has deliberately rejected God, deliberately turned their back on God's way. He's a sinner. It's the worst of the worst. You know, in, in the thought of the day, if you, if you messed up accidentally, then God could forgive you in a particular kind of way. But if you, you know, you could make amends for that. But if you deliberately stick two fingers up to God and, and say, you know, I know the right way, but I'm just going to go the wrong way against you, God, then 
you were cut off. The worst of the worst. There's this whole physicality that, that tells us this story. And then what happens? Well, it's again a physical sign of something that's going on. It, 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 he stands. He stands. The, the whole kind of dynamics of when he's up and when he's down and when he can't see and when he, when he now stands, he makes a declaration. Says, I give, I give half of my possessions to the poor right now, immediately, without question, without qualification. And if I have cheated anyone, I'll pay them back. You can almost hear the sound of the coins. If I've cheated anyone, I'll pay them back four times. And Jesus also stands and declares, I tell you today that salvation has come to this house. This guy who was cut and lost, lost and is saved. He is saved. He's, his, his past is completely dealt with. Anyone here tonight who would love the freedom of knowing that your past is completely dealt with? See, if you sit at the table with Jesus, then of course you are informed by your past. Of course you're, you're aware of your past. Of course you're, you're conscious of of past mistakes that you've made and you do not want to make again. But if you sit at the table with Jesus, you are not defined by your past. Because he says, how this man was is not now how this man is. Using the, the language and the categories of the day he says you as a crowd would have thought of Zacchaeus as not really being a proper Jew because he is a sinner because he's so turned against God it's like it's like he's he's not a proper Jew even he's not one of us but I am telling you he is a son of Abraham there was there was no better and fuller way that Jesus could describe somebody being close to the heart of God, someone who would inherit everything that God promises. There was no way that Jesus could have, could have more fully expressed the restoration of Zacchaeus. Why don't you just turn to your neighbour and just kind of have I said anything you hadn't thought about before or maybe you've heard this many times. Um, just share that. But, but also just share obvious question in a way. What, what do you think would have been going on in Zacchaeus kind of a, as this is happening? Just, just have a chat to your neighbour. Talk about the football score if you want to. But, but you know, what, what's going on here? What, and also what about in the crowd? What, about, what would other people have thought? 
If you'd been in the crowd, if you'd been in the crowd, how would you have reacted? Just have a chat. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I keep getting these unexpected apps appearing on my phone. I, I keep getting kind of a software upgrade. I, I keep finding out more than I, than I thought before. I, I got one app. Um, can we just show the picture of what happened when I used this app? I mean, sorry, James, it's right at the very first slide. There you are. You know, clearly, there are some apps you have to be very careful about, about pushing, don't you? And I probably, I've, I've probably with this one, I've done some in-app purchases by mistake. Nikki, I'm really sorry if anything appears on the credit card bill. It's, it's there you go. That's your Easter present, darling. Um, yeah. See, we... It's a silly link, I know, but Luke, Luke's been taking us through this journey of occasions where he's used meals to, to make key teaching points you know, about what the nature of true worship is. As we, as we see a, a woman um, sitting at Jesus' feet and pouring, pouring perfume, that, and, and the physicality of that is obvious, I hope, you know, the pouring out. Hills a few weeks ago asked about expectation. Do we expect miracles? Because, you know, kind of like that's what happened when Jesus sat at the table with, with people. There were miracles that happened. 5,000, 10,000 men, women, and children get fed. And there's been a there's been a kind of constant theme that's been coming through all of these stories, all of these meals. Jesus has been saying, and Luke's been pointing out for us, you know, press on the app, have a look at the re reality of this. And what, and what you'll see, what you'll open up is a, is a wide picture of a banquet table in heaven. It, that, that's, this, that's the thing that you really have to notice the banquet table in heaven, where, where that's the picture of our God who, who, who welcomes us in, whoever we are. A God who wants to, to allow us to be uh, set free from past mistakes. Does not want us to be defined by, by rubbish, whether it's rubbish we've done intentionally or rubbish that's been done to us. 
A, a God who wants us to know that um, there is no barrier. You know, you might feel like you're too short to see over the crowd. You might feel you wouldn't even dare join the crowd because what other people would say if they, if they saw you there. You? How dare you can't do it? If, God, uh, if anyone here knew what's in you, Little pictures, little tastes of heaven. And, and just before Jesus is going to go into Jerusalem on a, on a donkey and he's going he's to, at one level, demonstrate the kind of king they were expecting to receive. It was a, a picture for them of King David from the first part of their Bibles, the Old Testament. It was also the kind of picture from a Roman uh, victorious army scene of someone going into the city on horseback, you know, ahead to powerfully do things. As Jesus is ready to say, okay, this is what you were expecting, but actually in a week's time, you're really going to see the king because the king is not going to be the king on a kind of war horse or donkey. The king is going to be the king on the cross. And that, and that whole story is going to unfold. And there's going to be a lot of people whose, whose categories of kind of definitions of right and wrong and, and deserved and undeserved are just going to be blown up. And, and, and still it kind of, if it doesn't do your head in a little bit, the, the outrageous mercy of God, that, that, that means that God does not treat us the way that we deserve for the way that we can be. And also the outrageous grace of God, the undeserved gift of God, the life that he gives. If it doesn't outrage you a bit, if it doesn't offend a little bit, I haven't understood it. And so, so Luke gives us this little summary picture, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in miniature. And if I was just trying to sum up quickly, you know, from Zacchaeus' perspective, if he was to tell this story, if we were to notice the things about Zacchaeus, I mean, the first thing is that he's hungry, isn't he? He's hungry for more. He's got, he's got wealth, he's got power, he's got lots of things in, in worldly terms, but he is desperate. Desperate enough to run, desperate enough to climb a tree, desperate enough to say yes to Jesus coming into the middle of his house, desperate enough to say, I want to see who Jesus is. He knows his need. Secondly, he grabs the moment. He, he acts, he grabs the moment. There's an urgency. He runs. There's an urgency. He climbs. There's an urgency. I'm coming to your house today. Immediately he comes down. He grabs the moment. And he responds, thirdly, wholeheartedly. He's all in. He's no longer bothered about what other people are going to think of him. He puts everything on the line, everything that his, his life has been based on to this point, literally all his money, his power, his job, his status, everything is on the line. Do you think the Romans are going to carry on using him as a tax collector after this? Everything changes. There is no way that someone as notorious as Zacchaeus can have an encounter like this with Jesus and just carry on as normal afterwards. He's all in. 
He's obedient when he's called immediately. He welcomes Jesus into the very centre of his home. That's the very centre of his life. Tim said this morning, he wouldn't have had time to clear up, make it look a bit neater. And then I think, lastly, it doesn't say in the story, but as I've already alluded, I can't believe that he doesn't then share. He certainly shares by living a new reality, doesn't he? You know, imagine the line of people coming for their four times payback. This is a story that would get told and told and told. On Alpha courses that many in this room have done and you might even think about doing one. It's an opportunity to explore this good news. It's an opportunity to find out more. There's a, a guy called Shane Taylor who gives his testimony. It always makes me cry. He was a burglar. He was into drugs. He was uh, attempted murder. He was the worst of the worst in prison. He beat up a couple of prison officers, nearly killed them because they, they wouldn't let him into the gym. Uh, but, but he met another prisoner who was in for a life stretch who became a Christian and said, I may be in this prison. I may never get out, but I I am free because I know Jesus Christ. And that, that just nudged at him and that niggled at him. What's going on? How can you say you're in a prison and yet you feel free? So he started reading a Bible. He goes to another prison. He gets invited to an Alpha course. He only wants to go on the Alpha course because they serve biscuits and they serve, they serve tea and he's not allowed to meet anyone else. He goes on the Alpha course. Nothing feels like it's happening until they get to a point on the Alpha course where he gets prayed for. In that split second, I knew it was real. I knew God existed. I knew God had touched me and that I was going to live for him forever. Imagine Zacchaeus saying something very similar. But everything for Zacchaeus is response to Jesus' first action, to God's first action. Jesus is not in this place, Jericho, by accident. Jesus seeks and he sees. God is seeking. It's at verse 10, it was the end of the reading. The, the Son of Man has come to seek and save. He seeks and he sees you, me. It's deliberate. Looked up. Deliberate. Friends, if you don't know this Jesus, if you're here tonight and he's just kind of like a, an, a, an app picture at the moment on your phone, he's seeking you. You're not here by accident. He, he sees you. He calls by name, doesn't he? He calls Zacchaeus by name. And I've already said about the significance of the meaning of names in this culture. Your name represented the, much about your being. He knows us. He calls us and he comes to be with us. 
He comes into, into the table of our lives. He sits intimately with us, right alongside our mess. He doesn't say, uh, I'd like to come for tea. Could you do a bit of clearing up work first, and then I'll come? He comes and sits, and then he renews, and he restores. He wipes away the sin. He pays the penalty. It's really important to notice that this transformation, this action by Zacchaeus is is real. There's no cheap grace here. There's no just kind of getting away with it here, is there? Because Zacchaeus is the proof is in his actions that demonstrates the change in his heart. That's always the way it is. But it's response to, it's not to make God do something, but he responds out of his experience of encounter with Jesus. He didn't have to give away half of what he had to the poor. He didn't have to promise to give four times any amount he cheated. That was well over the standard set of the day for restitution, for paying back for sin. But he becomes an example to us of someone who encounters Jesus, encounters God, and then everything changes. He gives everything, in inverted commas, in worldly terms, to receive everything that God has got for him. Jesus seeks, Jesus sees, Jesus calls, Jesus comes into our lives, into our hearts. If we invite him, if we open the door, we say, yeah, please come and sit at my table. He renews us, he restores us, he enables us to deal truly with everything past. And then he sends us. And sorry, it was the only S I could think of. He supplies all we need. It is his mission statement that is summed up in this miniature gospel little story and it becomes our mission statement to seek, to see, to call, to unite at the table, to renew, to restore. All the time, Luke is saying, All the time, banquet, banquet in heaven. And how it would have changed everything, as I've said. It would have changed every bit of Zacchaeus' life, all his relationships. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine the other people who would have come to him and said, Zacchaeus, tell me about Jesus. Tell me about somebody who can change everything. Tell me about somebody who can really answer my greatest need. It's not an app. It's a person. Identity. To know who you are. To be loved, loved, loved for who you are. To have purpose, purpose in life. To know the answer to the question, why am I here? To embrace the future. And to have healthy relationships. 
I love this story of Zacchaeus. Because it's my story. I know there's a lot of us who've said yes to Jesus at various points in our lives. I've told you before, I did it when I was 13. I've spent another 40, 50 years, whatever it is, two I can't count anymore. <laughs> Trying to live in the light of it. It's been the greatest journey I could ever be on. For me, becoming a Christian, I've said before, was the difference between seeing the world in black and white to, to seeing it in full colour. And I do, in my walk with God, I do get constant upgrades. I, I get more to see. I, I don't find lots of questions any easier, by the way. I, I, in some ways, I find them harder and more confusing at times. All the kind of classic suffering questions, all those sorts of things, I find even harder. But I can tell you, I would be lost if I didn't have God to trust in, in the face of those questions. I, I, could, I mean, I find it hard enough to watch the TV at the moment with Ukraine, but I, I could not watch it for an instant if, as I'm watching, I wasn't able to pray. I get the privilege of sitting at the bedsides of people who are dying from cancer. And I, I have so many questions for God. I, I, I have so many questions. But I tell you what, I couldn't for a moment do it. I couldn't, I, I'm not sure how I could manage to live if I wasn't able to pray. If I wasn't able to say, God, I think there's a bigger picture. I think there's a bigger vista. There's more than even I can see and know now. There is a banquet table in heaven where there won't be crying, there won't be war, there won't be cancer, there won't be any of these things. To say yes to it will change your whole life. To say yes to it is costly. Costly for Zacchaeus. He needed to give up everything to gain everything. But the offer is there. Jesus is there. He wants to come in. We have to let him in. 